You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. Well, I want you, if you have your Bible, to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Everybody all right? My old pastor, he's not here. I'm calling him old today. Leo, he would look around and see how everybody looked. Then he'd say something like, some of y'all look better than others. I'm not going to say that. I can't see that far. But I'm glad to be with you today in church. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Are you there? Maybe you have it on your phone. Maybe you have it on parchment. Maybe you've memorized it. Would you stand? Let's read it together. It'll be on the screen. We'll stand in honor of God's word. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live. If you obey all these decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, I got a new job. I don't know if you heard, I'm teaching at Lockhart High School again. I don't know. I'll let you know if you should clap or not. You talk to some students, they might let you know. From 1995 to 2005, I taught in the school district. I got hired by Miss Amaya's sister, Janie Wright. I was saved out of whatever place I was living in, got brought back to Lockhart, taught and coached for 10 years, and my wife and I Moved to Mexico, you may know, for four years. We had one daughter, came back with three. We uh, taught in other school districts and other places. But working bivocationally here at the church, so glad to have the team that I have and that we have, and that we're working together. So many volunteers, so many people behind the scenes. I think we're going to be okay. I'm asking for your prayers now, not only as my role in this church, but also at the school. If you're really concerned about me, school starts on Wednesday the 17th. You might want to check on me Wednesday at 3.30 and make sure I'm not in the corner, huddled up, crying like a baby. I'm just kidding. I was in the high school, though, for training, and I went to Lockhart High School. I graduated in 1988 and then um, came back in 1988. You can count them. Yes. Who thinks that old? Talk to me when you're this old and see if you look. I'm going to hide behind the podium. This good. So I went to Lockhart High School. They made some reservations. I taught there for 10 years, and now after 17 years, I'm back. So I was walking around. They've remodeled a little bit. I don't know. I thought it was awesome when we were there. I walked down this hall that had never been there before, and it was new, and there was a library, and there were art rooms, and I got right here, and the smell changed. And I looked to my left. It was a wall that had never been there. And then I turned to my right. It was the old gym hall. Oh, and it still smelled like the old gym hall. 
And man, I stood there. I walked through that as a teacher, but you know where my mind went first with the smell and the sound and the echo off the walls and that little dingy, you know what I did? At the end of that hall, there was a boy in a girl's restroom. In ninth grade, I pierced my ear in that boy's restroom. It was not sanitary at all. It was awesome. That came back to me. Thank you. I uh, used to stand with my friends in that hall. All these memories came back. I had been so far removed from those days that I had almost forgotten them until I stood in that place. And it's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. God, that sounded just like the record did. Not the vinyl, the digital version. The smell, the sight, and I was almost back in that place. I can remember my friends. I can remember us cutting up. We went to school early back then so we could hang out before we bothered, I mean, before we went to class. We had a lot of memories. They were there, but they were unlocked by being and standing in that place. Something so far away had come close to me again, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Maybe the Lord, I'm sure, his desire to speak to his children today. So let's just ask him, Father, here we are. Because of your mercy, we can even approach you, even speak to you. We ask you because of your great love for us, by the presence of your Holy Spirit, teach us today. We say to you, our hearts are open. We say to you, we need you. We say to you, you alone are our hope. And thank you for caring so much for us. Would you teach us from your words? In Jesus' name, amen. Moses in this scripture in Deuteronomy is speaking to the people and he's reminding them of something they already knew. He's reminding them of the commands, the regulations, the laws that God had said on the mountain when he came down in smoke and fire and he made what's called a covenant with his people. Moses is saying, remember the covenant because you're headed into your future, into the land God prepared you for, and to do well there, to be successful there, to live there, you're going to need to follow the agreement, the covenant that you made with God way back then. The covenant. I'd like to read you what a covenant is. The Christian religion must be understood covenantly or through the lens of a covenant, for that is how God has chosen to relate to man whether it was in the Garden of Eden or after the entrance of sin into the world. This is Dr. Mark Jones, pastor of Faith Vancouver in British Columbia. The goal of all divine and human covenants is summed up in the words found throughout the Bible, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will dwell among you. A covenant is an agreement, but even more than an agreement. Not just a contract, but it gets down to the heart level. It is It is deeper when we talk about a spiritual covenant with the Lord. And look at what it says that the goal or the, 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 the goal of a covenant is summed up in these words. And it comes from God's perspective that God would be our God and that we would be his people. And not only that, that he would dwell among us. We know by the Holy Spirit, when we give our lives to Christ, the Spirit of God comes to live in us. It makes our spirit that was dead, it makes it new and alive. We come to life. It's called a rebirth. It's called a marriage. It's called being adopted. Can you imagine the God of all gods, the only one, the Bible proclaims that every other God is an idol. They cannot see and they cannot hear. But God is the God who knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He always was, always is, always will be. He speaks and creates things like galaxies like a universe, like stars, 
like painted bunnings and like trees that fall over on your electrical line and make your electricity go out. Created all these things. And he desires to be with you and to be with me. And he doesn't just mandate it. He offers an agreement. He doesn't come in like the kings of the earth and say, you will be, and I'm coming in with my army, and you'll bow the knee or the sword's coming. Study the great leaders of the earth and how they reigned with fear and power and dominance and how we're still, as people, resisting that and wanting some kind of justice in society and in our culture. Because we were made for a different kind of relationship, a different kind of leadership. And it's that which God offers us, a choice. He covenants with us. He asks, do you want to enter into relationship with me? Can you imagine that? The meekness of God who could create all that and do whatever he wants. And he offers his hand in relationship and says, would you join me? And then he makes a covenant. And it's a covenant agreement. You do that. You do that with your children. Hey, this is how the house is going to work. You do this, this, and this, we're good. You do this, this, and this, there's a consequence. And you know how consequences work in your house. Sometimes it's if mom goes like this and everybody straightens up. Sometimes we don't straighten up till the shoe comes around the corner and hits us on the back of the head. But there's a covenant in the house among a family. This is how the house runs. There's covenants like contracts. I went to the superintendent's office. Well, it wasn't really his office, HR they extended to me an offer of a contract. They say, do you accept? And it was a few pages. What the school district's going to do, what I'm going to do. I signed my name and the superintendent signed his name. We entered into an agreement, into a covenant. We're used to this idea. One of the biggest, most important covenants we understand in our culture is marriage. You said we had a marriage last week when I was gone at, at the beach. My nephew married his love of his life. They made vows to each other. They entered into a covenant. They promised. They said, I do. They exchanged rings. They did this really cool thing where they wrapped a cord around their hands to each other, symbolizing binding themselves by this covenant, and then they said their vows to each other. We're used to those things, but we live sometimes in, in this age of Christianity. A lot of people call it Western Christianity, where God's almost like an accessory instead of someone we've entered into covenant for. He's almost like a slot machine. I hope it, all the sevens line up on this prayer request. I know there's power in there. I just don't know if it's coming out right now. We almost can see the Lord as, as that bag that we, that we carry. Can I just get distracted for a minute? Have y'all seen fanny packs are coming back? What? What? They're recycling everything around here. They're recycling me as a teacher and now fanny packs are back. But now these, these kids, these days are so cool, they're wearing them across their chest, like a chesty pack or something. I don't know what you call it. I'm just like, I really hope I can get back to what got me over there because it, it did tie in somehow. Oh, man. Next time, Fernando, you put a bookmark, and then you go, hey, this is what you're talking about before the fanny pack. Oh, man. It was good. I'll go back and review the tape, and I'll see you all on Wednesday night. We'll talk about it. Mm. All right. Well, this is where I usually say to the prayer team, y'all need to pray harder. <laughs> so we enter into this covenant, and we sometimes see the Lord as an accessory. I'm just going to put on Jesus 
and it'll look better or go better for this time. He becomes the bag that matches the outfit. We would never say that out loud. And I was thinking about that because my mind was wondering at my own house about fanny packs. He's not the bag we put on. He's the bag we go inside of. We become his inheritance. We belong to him. We get conformed to the image of Christ, not conforming Christ to our image. Let's don't be confused. This church is headed in a direction, this group or this family, and we're going to stumble and fall on our way, but we know the direction we have. We want to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And Moses is reminding the people. Amen. Yeah. All right. Hey, you better clap now or you don't get to go to recess right after this. You're going to go to... Oh, school teacher mode, that's going to really get us all in trouble, isn't it? Well, I'm just recruiting more people on the pastoral prayer team. Pray for me. Moses is reminding the people. God spoke from the mountain and said, will you enter this covenant? The people spoke back to Moses and said, tell God yes. And then God said, then this is the agreement. It might have sounded something like for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness or in health. But in God's terms, it sounded like love the Lord your God and love him only. Have no other gods before me. Remember the Sabbath, honor your mother and father. And then there were 10 commandments that God went through and said, these are the, the, in, the, in, the, in those verses that we read, it said the commands, the decrees, and the regulations. But really, it's just the agreement or the vows that God made to his people and that we as his people made back. We're going to love you with all our heart. But because we don't know everything God knows, he has to break it down in 10 things. This is what loving God with all your heart looks like. It looks like you honor your parents. It looks like you don't lie about your neighbor. It looks like you don't covet what your neighbor has. It looks like you don't commit adultery. It looks like you don't kill or steal. Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It was Ten Commandments. It turned into hundreds of laws so that the people could understand what that looked like. You know, when I looked at my wife, don't look at her because I'll just get distracted. Hey, girl. We looked at each other and said, in sickness or in health, we had no idea the sickness that was waiting down the road. We just knew this, I'll walk through anything with you, and I'm asking you to walk through anything with me. And man, what a journey and what a blessing to do that and to have that person. We had no idea how many kids were coming. Oh, and they came, and then they came, and then they came, and then they came. But we promised And the Lord is looking for that promise. And he says, this is the covenant that we're entering in. And Moses is telling them, remember this covenant so that all will go well with you. He's reminding them and encouraging them. He's warning them that there are circumstances if you don't keep the covenant. Not that God's mean, but you know in any relationship you're in, if you don't keep your end of the deal, it just strains the relationship, doesn't it? When you don't do what you were supposed to do, then it makes it difficult in the relationship, whether that's a marriage or a legal agreement. If I don't show up to work at the high school, they're not going to pay me. They might like that part. I'm not going to like that part. There is a relationship. So in verse 1 through 3, Moses reminds them. And then 4 and 5, he summarizes the, the, the requirements of the covenant. And that is that you have one Lord, And you must be faithful to him and love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Have you entered into that covenant with God? Have you been born into his family, adopted? Have you been brought from death to life? Have you been born again, converted, made a public profession of faith? We have a lot of ways to explain that, but it is coming from one life into another, from one kingdom into another. It's receiving God's invitation, paid for by his son, and you give your life to him, and he gives his life to you. Well, these people had, they had made a covenant, and Moses tells them, very distinctly, how they can keep that covenant. He reminds them, he summarizes it, and then in verses 6 through 9, where we'll spend the next 10 minutes or so, he gives them practical ways to keep the covenant. You've got to keep the covenant close because things that are far away are easily forgotten. Things that are far away is, are easily forgotten. If something is out of mind, like my high school career was out of mind until I stepped into that place and then it all came back. But I don't wake up every day thinking about the 80s. Only when I see the high school hall or a fanny pack do I think about that. What's far away is easily forgotten. Moses is saying, if you don't keep the Lord close, then you're going to forget about him when you get on to this next journey in your life. And that is our encouragement today to keep our commitment to God close. It says in the covenant scriptures that God binds himself to us and promises an oath on his own name. He promises to you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It even says, Peter, I think, wrote it, we may betray him and become unfaithful, but he cannot be unfaithful to himself. And he has bound himself to us amazing. And so if he asks us to be faithful to him, that comes with the promise that he'll enable us. And Moses gives us some hints right here about how to be faithful. And so let's look at them today. First, it's got to start with your heart. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. I've heard about marriages where they say the groom is in the back going, I don't even know if I should be doing this. Whoa. Now, I understand nerves, and maybe that makes it a little, and the future can be uncertain. But you don't need to be thinking about God like, I don't know if I need to be doing this. If that's where you are, then you want to start there, and you want to move toward wholeheartedness. And Moses is going to tell us how to do that. You want to commit yourself wholeheartedly. You don't want God to be your God on Sunday and then something else to be your God on Monday, something else on Tuesday. No, God is one and he is our Lord. You want to give your heart to him. The Bible says this about the heart. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So make the Lord your treasure. It says in Psalm 119, your word have I hidden in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Oh, man, if you're raising daughters, you're telling them, guard your heart. Don't just listen to that first knucklehead that comes along and says something. Watch him. Look at him. See if his life matches up to his words. Pay attention. You want to guard your heart. You want to be careful what gets in there. Luke 6.45 says this, a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. So if you see someone good, they're doing good because good's been stored up in their heart. But the rest of that verse says an evil person 
brings out evil things because of the evil stored, stored up in their heart. So when we see these headlines or these things that affect us in the world and go, how could someone do those things? It didn't just happen in a moment. They stored up evil. They went down a path and it took them deeper and deeper and deeper and more and more got into them and then it came out of them because that verse in Luke 6, 45 says, for from the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What comes out of us speaks of what is in us. And Moses says, start with your heart. He also says, teach these commands to your children. So that's your mouth. You want us to keep the Lord close? He needs to be in your heart. Because what's far away is easily forgotten. You want to keep the Lord close? His words need to be in your mouth. He says to them, repeat the words and the commands again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them when you're going to bed. Talk about them when you're getting up. You want to keep the covenant of the Lord that he has with you and that you have with him. You want to keep it close, so keep it in your mouth. Speak it. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you observe your conversation and it's not what you should it's not what it should be. Well, let's just stop there. My conversation. What are the words coming out of my mouth? Am I a negative Nancy? I heard someone say that in training. Don't be a negative Nancy. I go, awesome. I'm not Nancy. But I can tend to be like, oh, especially when it's early and the alarm clock goes off and the sun's not even up. And then my first thought is, who made a schedule that starts before God told us to wake up? I can be negative. I want to watch the words that are coming out of my mouth. They might be giving me a clue about what's in my heart. And if what's in my heart isn't right, I can pray this prayer. Romans 5.5. Somebody might want to write that down. Romans 5.5 says, The love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that he gave us. If, If things other than God are coming out of my mouth, other than God's ways, other than God's love, other than my commitment to God, then I can say I might have a heart problem and I can start by seeing the one who puts his love in my heart. I pray this prayer all the time. Lord, pour your love into my heart by the Holy Spirit. And then I'm visual. I imagine it like a big picture in heaven pouring down on me and into me. The Holy Spirit, which has been given to us, God's own presence, we didn't earn it, but it's available to us. So if you find that the pressures of this world, and aren't there enough of those, that the circumstances of today, aren't they squeezing us a little bit? Aren't they putting a little pressure? Or is anybody just fine and dandy? I want to come to your house for lunch. The world is just getting tougher. We say it's getting darker. It's just getting more hopeless and helpless. And if that impacts us and squeezes us and trouble comes out of our mouth, we want to say, Lord, I need something different in my heart. Pour your love into my heart. You've seen people that have responded to the worst circumstances and they responded with love and you go, how did you do that? And it's because love was stored up in their heart by the Lord. You want the Lord to be in your heart. You want him to be in your mouth. If we observe our conversation and we not, it's not what we should be, then we can also practice the right words. We don't just wait for God, like, God, give me a holy download, 2.0. We have that new Tesla internet here now. It's not Tesla. Can I say that on the recording because it's not trademarked? What is it? 
Starlink. Anybody got that? Lord, I have Starlink now, so you can do it faster. Lord, change me. Well, the Lord does put his spirit in us, and that spirit is working and teaching in us to conform us to the image of Christ. But we don't just sit around and wait for God to do it. We put it into practice. And Moses tells them, talk about it when you're at home. Put it into practice. Speak about the covenant. Oh, isn't it great that God loves us? Isn't it great that God's taking care of us? Let those words be in your mouth. I don't know a lot of scripture. Well, start with what you know. That we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That God's loved us with an everlasting love. Talk about it when you're at home. It doesn't mean you got to have a formal Bible study. Your kids will love it, though, if you do. But if you get around the table and you're having dinner and you just say, what's one great thing that happened today? Or tell me about your day. And then if good or bad, you can say, thank God he's with us. Just have it in your mouth when you're at home. And when you're on the road. When you're at your workplace or at your school, oh, isn't the pressure there? Sure, I'm going to be Mr. Religious in the office. Uh, brother, did you pray before you got the water out of that water cooler? No, it's not that conversation. It's just as conversations ebb and flow and the negative goes this way, you can just counteract it with a little bit of positive because he's the God of all hope. So there is hope. When someone's in your office or your building or your school or in the grocery store and they're hurting, you can... Weep with them while they weep and rejoice with them while they rejoice. You can speak about it while you're on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, I really want to focus on this in my life. We're in a culture where most of us, I was going to say, I'll just make up a statistic because I can do that. I have a microphone. 80%, I don't know what the statistic is. How many people go to bed, the last thing they see is their phone and whatever choice of app they have open. And that's informing their sleep. And how many of us, the first thing we grab when we wake up, it's our phone and whatever app we choose to open, the news feed or the Facebook feed or the Insta or the Tick or the Talk. When I was in that old hallway, TikTok was this. <laughs> Ticking and talking, popping and locking. That's right. I should talk to TikTok about breaking a trademark code right there. Y'all like that? Y'all want to see it again? No? You have to come after church. All right, hit the beatbox, Fernando. We practice by ending our day with some scripture or with some prayer, starting our day with the word of God or with prayer. I don't need anything else stored up in my heart for the day more than I need God stored up in my heart for my day. So you could do this one thing. You could say, at this time, I'm putting my phone up, I'm setting my alarm, and it's off. And before I go to bed, I'm going to read my verse of the week. Uh, Matt, I can't do that. My verse of the week's on my phone. Well, that's okay. Then use your phone and your Bible app and then look at it. But that's different than CNN or MSNBC or Fox. Have I named all the ones you love or hate? It's different than them telling you how to go to bed. Let the Lord put you to sleep with his word and then fall asleep praying to him. Wake up, and before you grab the phone, say to the Lord, good morning, Lord. I love you. Help me. Start your own routine. It could be very simple, and, and the enemy is going to say, this is so simple it won't work. But Moses says, when you're going to bed and when you're waking up, remember the covenant. Keep it close, because what's far away is easily forgotten. Not only is it in our heart and in our mouth, but the Bible says it needs to be in our hands and in our head. Tie them to your heads. 
tie them and wear them on your forehead as reminders. What? The covenant, the law, the rules, our love relationship with God. Let it be tied to your hands. You know, when I think of hands, I think about our actions, what we do. That symbolizes that to me. But I also think about what's in my hand all the time, this phone. And I'm remembering everything that's on this phone. And I'm seeing everything that's on this phone. Maybe I need to put the word of God in my hand more. But really, I wanted to focus on the action. As we're trying to keep God's covenant close to us, let it come out in our actions. You know what? I'm going to take a little more time, and I'm going to help that person. You know what? I'm going to give something at the church to Calvary Commission because of what they're doing in the world. You know what? Instead of going and just ripping that guy's head off, and he deserves it, Lord. You saw him. But instead of that, I'm going to respond with mercy. Oh, I'm not good at it, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to put it into practice. And he says, tie it on your hands. Let the word of God and your covenant and your promise with them determine how you're going to act. We already do that. Anybody married? Raise your hand. Raise it high if you're proud. She's watching. Does that affect your actions? Being married? Having a covenant with your spouse? Does it affect what you do and not do? Does it affect what you say and don't say? Yes, it does. I hope it does. If it doesn't, then we'll probably be starting a marriage and family class in September, and I want to ask you to join it. But it affects us. It would be crazy if I thought my wife was like, hey, I don't care what you do, just come home. No, we got a different kind of covenant with that. And then yet our world makes us think God's crazy because he has a few expectations. Oh, I don't want to serve that God. He's just after my freedom. I don't want to serve that God. He's no fun. I don't want to serve that God. He's just taking away all. He's like a holy policeman in the sky. Oop, here's a ticket. Here's a lightning bolt. Here's an earthquake. No, a father's heart. He's like, hey, I'm loving you with everything. Can you give me that love back? And what's even better, he gives us the love to give it back to him. Tie it on your hands. Be sure to look and notice your actions and say, does this look like someone in covenant with God? And when it doesn't, ask him to forgive you. And he washes us with his word. And he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And then say, Lord, I want to try that a little more. I want my actions to look like a person. Oh, don't you hate it when you see the Christian bumper sticker and then they hit your car with the door. I'm like, that wasn't very godly. Or they run the shopping cart into you or whatever. You know, don't put Christian tattoos on your hands. Everybody's going to see what you do. I heard of the pastor one time, saw his person from his church in H-E-B, saw a bunch of mess he didn't want to see, came up behind him in the line accidentally, but it just worked out. You know how the Lord knows how to do all that. And the person got real straight and narrow real quick. Hello, pastor. How are you doing? He goes, I'm doing great. Would you do me a favor? Yes. Please don't tell anybody you go to our church when you're at H-E-B. The Lord's so patient. He's so kind. When he bound himself to you, he knew what you were going to do wrong in 2024. He already knows it's coming. But you know what? For better or for worse, he wants you. But when that love touches me, I want to live differently. I want to tie it to my hands. And then we want to wear it on our head. Yeah. You won't remember nothing today, but you'll remember this. You know, Garth is doing a stadium tour. Blame it all on my roots. 
the covering of your head. A straw hat goes back cultures and centuries, but the Western straw hat was made to keep the sun off, the shade on. I've even seen those old Western movies where it's raining and it's just going like a gutter down there. You know, you got your favorite John Wayne or Clint Eastwood, whoever it was, sitting in the saddle, it's pouring down rain, it's just streaming off. Guys like me need to keep our hair dry. It also can add to your look. It also can identify you, how your head is covered, what is bound to your head. If you wear this in Lockhart, and people look at you, yeah. There's other kind of hats. A good preacher would have a lot better illustrations, but I'm just, oh, goodness. There's these kind of caps. A lot of times they'll have a team logo right there. This one says Lakeview. I got it at youth camp with the, with the kids. I'm remembering. Baseball players wear these to keep the sun or the lights out of their eyes so they can make the play. It, it's, it's not only a look to say you're on the team, but it's also to help them. All right? Skaters wear them like this, all right? Me and Tupac wear them like this. There's coverings for our head. They mean different things. There are headdresses in some cultures that tell you the level of the person and their status. Bind it to your hands and wear it on your head. Be covered in the covenant. Let it protect you. I'm always messing around with Joe. He's always like, Matt, you got to wear your hat. Matt, you got to wear your hat. I'm like, bro, I've been bald-headed since 1993. I know to wear my hat because the sun is no friend to a bald-headed guy. So there's protection, there's covering, there's identity, all these things and more when we wear God's Word on our head. But I want to talk about inside your head. Who's he pointing at? Me. Inside your head is where it all goes down. Our thoughts the psychology today and the study of human behavior, and I suggest people like Dr. Caroline Leaf who bring faith and the truth of God into what the research says. But it says right now that our thoughts control our feelings and then our feelings inform or control our actions. Feelings are usually one word, depressed, tired, excited. Thoughts are sentences. But if you listen in the culture today, people will say things like, I feel like, and then it's a whole long sentence. That's not a feeling, that's a thought. I feel like you don't really like me. No, that's a thought. And then it makes you feel angry or lonely or depressed. And what they're saying, in because in, in, uh, I'm doing a lot of therapy and have a lot of people speaking into my life and praying for me and coaching me. What they're saying in therapy is that you don't want to argue with someone's feelings because those are their feelings. They're legitimate. You can feel how you want to feel. But what you want to confront is the thought that's informing the feeling. Well, I feel so lonely. Why is that? Well, I feel like no one loves me. No, you don't feel like no one loves you. You're thinking no one loves you. So let's talk about the thought. And why am I bringing this up? It's a whole deeper subject. But what's covering our head, what we're wearing on our head when it's the word of God and I go, I feel so lonely, I go back to the thought, no one cares about me and I fight it with this, this covering. I will never leave you or forsake you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. 
Now that doesn't fix everything. Oh, great, I'm healed. Not depressed anymore. No, it's called a war. We don't war against flesh and blood. We war against principalities and against arguments. Our weapons of warfare are strong and mighty to pull down arguments that raise themselves up with the knowledge of God. So I don't have the word of God on my head and some argument comes on. Just like when the devil said, did God really say don't eat from every tree? It's an argument, an accusation, raising itself up against the knowledge of God. And so this idea or thought comes into your head and tells you nobody loves you. I'm just using an example. There's thousands of thoughts. The Bible calls them fiery arrows that are getting shot. And they come in the sky and they hit us. But it says the shield of faith puts them out. What's the shield of faith? It's believing what God said more than what the thought says. And so we cover or we wear our covenant and the word of God to protect our minds from the enemy's attack. Oh, I I think I'm sick. I I don't know if I'm going to live. Well, I attack that feeling that makes me worried and anxious. I attack it at the thought level that says God has numbered my days. So I say out loud in my house when I'm worried about health and stuff, nobody gets to say how long I live except the Lord. So just briefly, and we could have a whole, this could be, we just need to be dealing with this and learning this forever. But Moses says, if you want to keep close to the Lord, because what's far away gets easily forgotten, then you need to be covered in your head, wear the scripture on your forehead. So we need to be reading the word of God so that it can go in there. I imagine it like a little soldier with a lot of power going in there and rounding up. Oh, I should have left the cowboy hat on for the roundup. Can I do Y'all got a minute? Let me do that. It's not a soldier anymore. It's a cowboy with a rope who's much smarter and better on a horse than me. And he just goes in there and he's got the rope. He goes, hey, hey, you can't be running around here talking like that. And takes that little thought over. It says to Jesus. And you let that thought talk to Jesus. And you know what I find? No thought ever makes it to Jesus. They run away first. So Moses says, if you want to be successful in the land that's coming, where you're headed, then you want to have the word in your heart. And you want to have it in your mouth, the covenant. You want to have it tied to your hands and you want to wear it on your forehead. And then lastly, he says, you want it in your home. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And I'll just be real brief right here. The doorposts of your house, that's what gets to come in and what goes out. All right? And I, the best illustration for my life is I can't be telling the devil no at the front door and letting all his cousins in at the back door. I want the doors of my house guarded by the covenant that I have with the Lord. Not because there's a bunch of rules, but because I want me and the Lord at home in my home. And I want us close. And I don't want him to be far away and forgotten. I want to be understanding and in the right relationship so some things don't get to come into my house. Well, what are those things? Well, why don't you and the Lord talk about it? That would be a great action point at the end of today is to go home and say, hey, what should we be listening to? What should we be watching? It's going to be different for everybody because different things affect people differently. But if God's not at home in your home, then it's going to be real hard for him to be at home while you're coming and going and walking. And it's not condemning, it's convicting. It's like, oh, Lord, I want you so comfortable in my house that you sit down and take your shoes off. 
And then it says, write them on your gates. That front yard and that gate, that keeps stuff far from your house. But you know what it also does? It protects everything you have. Do you know it's proven children who are playing and they know where the fence are feel more safe when they're playing than if there's no fence? Because they're confused, like, how far can I go? They're safe just because the fence is going to keep them in a safe place, but they're also safe mentally because they know where their boundaries are. You can look at the research. In the crib, babies are looking for where's the edge? Where can I go? And so when we have our covenant keeping our door open or closed and keeping our gate open or closed, it's actually protecting us. It's not limiting us. We were slaves to sin. We could do whatever we wanted. All the freedom that we had to live however we wanted made us slaves. But when we became slaves to righteousness, then it made us free to live and to enjoy and to be at peace. So Moses says, remember these things. And he ends in chapter 6, verse 12. He says, be careful to not forget the Lord who rescued you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. He goes through verses 1 to 9, and he says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says, remember the covenant. And he says, because there's a danger. If you don't, you'll forget him. Not only will you forget God, but what's even worse is he's the one who saved you. He's the one who saved you. Would you bow your heads? Some of us today, we've been doing a great job keeping God in our heart, our mouth, our hands, our head, and our home. And we just want to ask the Lord, Lord, continue to grow me. Continue to stay near. I'm keeping you close because what's far away is easily forgotten. And I don't want you to be forgotten. But then there's others of us today and our hands haven't been doing what they should. Our head's been in the wrong place. Our home, man, we need the Holy Spirit to just come in and straighten it up. And the Lord reaches out to us again today and he says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I will finish what I started. I will not leave you. And when you blow it and you come to me and all you have is dirt and filth, I'll wash you with my word. While you're sitting there today, could you pick one of these words, your heart, your mouth, your hand, your head, your home, and you, could you just recommit it to the Lord? Could you think of maybe one thing you're going to do with the Lord's help differently? Could you tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to spend the rest of today thinking about this, and by the end of this today, when I lay down on my bed thinking about you, I'm going to tell you what my commitment is. Let's respond to the Lord. Because what's far away is easily forgotten. Just take a moment. Consider your covenant with God. He's looking at you with a face of love. Even if you've been far away. You may have forgotten. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org. For with him we'll find mercy and grace. Who knows, he may even return a blessing where we have thrown it all away.